Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Good morning, Sarasota. This is episode 48. Hello, Sarasota. This is Bob. Wow, I cannot believe how far we've come since launching in February. Our 50th episode is right around the corner, and it's going to be special. I'm not going to give it away just yet, but my guest is a certified celebrity. Yes, he's been in movies and featured in many media outlets, plus he recently got back from the Cannes Film Festival in France. However, he's known for something much, much more significant. He actually helped change the entire world of money and finance all before the age of 30, and he lives right here in Sarasota. If you're curious, then tune in on July 19th for a very special episode of Sarasota Stories. And now on to today's show. He's a mild-mannered occupational therapist by day, but a real live ninja warrior by night. Really? If you've never seen the NBC's American Ninja Warrior competition, you're missing out. Men and women compete for over a million dollars in prize money by jumping, swinging, and virtually flying through the air on the world's most difficult obstacle course. And Sarasota's own Kyle McCrate is in the competition. Hi, I'm Bob Williams, your host for today's episode, and I believe to better appreciate the town you live in, it's a must to hear what our neighbors are saying, to hear their stories, if you will. In fact, that's why I created the Sarasota Stories podcast. I started it so that you could get connected just a little deeper in this wonderful community we call home. In each episode, I interview our neighbors who are doing great work and impacting our town in positive ways. So you'll hear from authors and artists, entrepreneurs, civic leaders, and others share how they chose their profession, what they're working on now, and what their plans are for the future. Today, Kyle will share what's one thing most people don't know about him, where his interest in occupational therapy came from, and how it's different from physical therapy. How a three-legged dog named Trey helped him get over a tough divorce. Why he decided to compete in ninja competitions. How he got on the hit show American Ninja Warrior. Did he win or not? The wonderful way Kyle and Trey are involved with the Never Say Never Foundation and much, much more. I'm so glad you stopped in today. It is my hope that you will listen, learn, and connect. He's been featured on Channel 7, Suncoast View, Sarasota Magazine, Telemundo 49, WFLA Channel 8, and now at the world headquarters of the Sarasota Stories podcast, 
He's an occupational therapist by day, but a real live ninja warrior by night. He's my guest today, Kyle McCrate. Kyle, welcome to the Sarasota Stories podcast. Thanks for having me, Bob. How'd you like that introduction, man? You got a lot to live up to. It's weird hearing all the uh, places we've been featured. That's crazy. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. It's it's it's, it's really neat having you on the show. And uh, again, we were talking before I hit record here. I, I can't re- recall how I came across your profile, but I thought, man, a, a ninja in Sarasota, I got to have him on. <laughs> so one thing I always start off with my guests is what's one thing most people don't know about you? Um, a lot of people that I know down here in Florida don't know that I grew up in Minnesota. Uh, I don't really look or sound like I'm from Minnesota. I don't think. And I grew up in a really small rural area of Minnesota. grew up on a dirt road town. I grew up in had no stoplights, no grocery stores, nothing like that. So man, um, I'm, I knew I always wanted to live somewhere warmer. Minnesota winters are pretty brutal. So after I graduated college, I, Decided to move to Florida and love it down here. But I, I like going back to Minnesota. I miss you know the summertime on the lakes and things like that. So, but a lot of people down here they don't realize that I grew up like that. So, the um, the Minnesota area, particularly in the summertime with the ten thousand lakes, is absolutely gorgeous. And when we say yeah. lakes, we mean lakes up there, and they're absolutely Everywhere. gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. town I grew up in, um, they call it the heart of the lakes. There's like 28 lakes in a five-mile radius. So it was really just strips of road weaving through lakes. <laughs> oh, cool. Cool, cool. Well, I actually, in a previous business life, spent a February in the Twin Cities there, and there was no snow, and they had to cancel the ice festival that they have. So. Oh, wow. Well, you got figure that one out. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Figure that one out. Well, listen, I, of course, you know, I want to know more about your competition and, you know, how you become a ninja. Not that I yeah. want to, but because you got to swing on a lot of stuff that's high in the air. Yeah. But uh, I am curious about your professional background, which is occupational therapy. H- how did you get in- interested in that? So, my early 20s, I was working in group homes with children with disabilities, uh, mostly that were autistic. And I would bring them to their therapy appointments, occupational, physical therapy, speech therapy. And then I got a job working as a home health aide for a gentleman who had a stroke. And I was helping him with his morning routine and setting him up for breakfast, things like that. And I would take him to his therapy appointments. And it was working with him that I really noticed the OT and PT and what they were doing. And I thought it was really interesting. And so I looked into going back to school uh, to either do one of the two OT or PT. And I guess what drew me towards occupational therapy was the emphasis on functionality. Um, We work alongside physical therapists who physical therapy is working on your strength, your gait, your balance. Right. Occupational therapy is really more focused on your functional capabilities with like, let's say you've had a stroke or an orthopedic procedure. How are you going to get yourself dressed? How are you going to cook yourself a meal, use the bathroom? What kind of equipment can we provide for you or modifications to your home can we make to make life easier for you? So I thought that was really creative and a cool way to help people. So I've been an occupational therapist now for almost seven years. Very cool. Um, So yeah, it's a it's a rewarding profession for sure. That's cool. And your Sarasota Memorial? 
I actually work at Doctors Hospital now. Oh, okay. I used okay. to work at Sarasota Memorial. Yeah, yeah, cool. And and I just for our listeners, I just want to point out something. We're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about Kyle's dog here in a little bit. So if you ever hear some noise in the background, he's either chewing on a bone or he may yeah. be barking a little bit. And he, apparently, he gets he gets a little jealous when Kyle doesn't pay enough attention to him. There's a real story behind that. So just uh, just bear with us, if you will, please. <laughs> well, that's interesting. So. Go ahead and tell us about uh, about Trey. He's he along with you have been featured in a lot of media posts. It's a fascinating story, and I hope you're not um, not bored with telling it. But he's a really wow. neat dog. What's so special think, about him? So yeah, Trey is definitely inspirational. I love I love sharing his story because he's helped me a lot in my life, and I feel like he helps a lot of people who hear his story just because he's very relatable. You know we all go through hard times in life. So, um, I met Trey, I was going through a divorce in 2019 and my ex-wife and I split up. We had two dogs when we were married and, you know, we decided that she would take the dogs. We didn't want to split them apart. So she took both dogs and she moved away. So when I moved back into the house, it was very lonely. I was depressed, you know, and I, just kind of felt like I had lost my purpose in life and I didn't really know what to do. And I kind of played around with the idea of maybe I should, you know, get a dog, just, you know, a reason to wake up every morning and take the dog to the bathroom, go for a walk, you know, something to care about. So I started looking at dogs online and I found Trey on Nate's honor rescue website. Um, and he's Trey's a black lab. So in his picture, he's, He's pretty dark. It was hard for me to tell, but it looked like he was missing a leg. And so I called the, uh, Nate's and I asked about him. I said, hey, there's a little three-month-old lab. It looks like he's missing a leg. They said, yeah, he's still here. He is missing a leg. He's an amputee. Uh, he was born with some sort of birth deformity in his leg, and it was building up a lot of arthritis in the hip joint. And they're, wow. they're not even sure if his leg was ever even really attached to his body. It was just dangling there. Ooh. So I don't know how he ended up at Nate's, but he was surrendered or found somewhere. Yeah. He was really struggling to get around. He was in a lot of pain. So they amputated it, one of his back legs. When I met Trey, I went into Nate's to meet him. His amputation was three weeks prior to the day that I went in to meet him. And just looked at him one time and I was like, Oh man, like his eyes lit up and they took him out. We played in the grass for like 45 minutes. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> this is the dog for me. And what was interesting was I had looked for dogs, you know, for several weeks. And every time I started to see all the puppies, I never felt a connection with any of them. It almost felt like I was replacing my dogs. I had just given up to my ex-wife and it uh. i don't know I, I was like i wasn't ready yet but when i met trey it felt different because he was an amputee and he was you know malnourished he, he was gonna need a lot of help and i felt like with my occupational therapy background i could help him you know like this is what i do for a living is help that's very people cool rehab and recover from similar circumstances so I really felt like I was the perfect person for this dog and he was perfect for me. He was going to give me a purpose and a reason to get up every day. And so brought him home and I had never had a three-legged dog or anything like that. I'd 
you know, didn't know what I was getting sure, into, sure. but he was three months old. He was like 19 pounds and they weren't sure how big he would be. They didn't know really what his breed was. So they guessed about 40 pounds. Well, he's, he's about 70 pounds. So he was a little bigger than they thought, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, you know, I had a house with tile floor and I realized pretty quickly, like the day I got him that he wasn't going to be able to walk around on the floor. I, I will, I will say, and you have some uh, neat video on your Instagram account there. You show him yeah. walking and, and some of the other media that, uh, you've been working with one. That's an interesting, cause you can tell that he's just, he, he can't get his feet underneath him as he's, as he's trying to get stronger. Right. He was really weak. I mean, even in the grass or on a carpet, he was wobbly and shaky cause he was so weak. So I knew standing on tile floor was going to be really hard for him and he was scared of it, you know? So I, I laid down yoga mats all over my house cause that's all I had. And I bought a few carpets and rugs for him and he did better on those, but he still was so weak and you could tell his, he would fall down a lot cause he wasn't, his balance was off. He wasn't used to, you know, getting around that way. Um, so we worked quite a bit on building up the strength in his leg and I, I wanted to preserve his other leg. Now so, I'm curious, I'm curious because I mean, given your, your, your background and whatnot, what, what did you do? Is there anything specifically that you did for him that you're thinking, Hmm, I use this on people. Maybe this will work for, for Trey. Yeah. Um, one thing I would do is called passive range of motion on his strong leg. Uh, basically I would hold his, backside off the ground and I would push on his um the one leg that he did have back there and he would push back against me oh, wow. so it, it builds up strength uh in that leg without having to bear weight on it which is easier on your joints that's something we do for patients that aren't strong enough yet to stand on their own um I also did quite a bit of aqua therapy for him another cool. way to just preserve his joints you know get him well some, He's a Labrador. In. He's a Labrador, right? So. Yeah, exactly. So I'd bring him to City Island down by Moat Marine and hold him up in the water with a life jacket, let him doggy paddle around um, or friends swimming pools and things like that. So we did that. Um, he built his strength pretty quick. I mean, dogs are pretty resilient. They learn how to adapt pretty quickly. So once he had the strength built up and he figured out how to balance, he did great for a few months. Then he started, I started noticing him like crying a lot and falling down. And I noticed one day he like handstand walked through the living room. Like he didn't want to put weight on his back leg. And I said, this is something's going on here. Um, brought him into the vet. They did x-rays that showed that his good leg in the back was just splintering into pieces. Ooh. Yeah. Um, they had no idea what was going on. So I went to an orthopedic specialist down in Nokomis and Dr. Kirsch. He's awesome. He looked at Trey's x-rays. He did his own x-rays and he was like, man, I can't even see if the head and neck of his femur is even there anymore. Um, it was just like the bone was just shrinking away. Um, he ended up doing surgery on Trey's good leg to he didn't know what he was going to find in there, but what he recommended was removing the head of the femur. And in some dogs, you can remove the head of the femur and scar tissue will build up in its yeah. place. So that's how you form the joint. When he went into Trey's leg, uh, it was really just like pieces of bone floating around. There was nothing really 
attached anymore. So was was he able to do that then with the uh, with with the scar tissue? He was. So he took out all the pieces of bone that were floating around that were kind of stabbing into him, causing the pain. Wow. Um, Trey's knee was also uh, splintering into two pieces, so he put two screws in his knee, and he told me that he had, in his experience, he had never seen a three-legged dog go through this procedure Damn, because that's man. a it's a procedure they do on regular four-legged dogs and they have the other leg to stand on to recover but with a wow. three-legged yeah. dog that's missing that leg he said i i really i don't know how this is gonna go he might might be a year before he can walk on his own he might well, never walk again well how is he today he's great um so after that surgery, I was pretty scared and I got a special harness for Trey and I really made my house completely adaptable for him. And it was like a couple of months of me literally carrying him everywhere with this harness, picking him up, wow. like pulling him out of the crate, picking him up, carry him outside, hold on to him for him to go to the bathroom. Um, this is when we really picked up with the aqua therapy again. Cool. And within a couple months, I, one day he stood up on his own and I was just like, blown away and he walked like five feet and, and fell down but i was like Dude, oh my god he's walking you, you better be careful you may start getting emails and phone calls for uh uh people wanting you to do therapy on their on their dogs well yeah i mean ever since you know Trey and I've new- been sharing our story we i've gotten some inquiries and you know people asking for advice and things so I, i'll always share with them about getting the harness um it's called a help them up harness it, that cool. thing was a lifesaver um, and then, you know, just making accommodations for him. Now he traced three years old. Now he's pretty much totally independent. I mean, he, I still have carpets and runners all over my house. Yep. Um, I do lift him into my bed at night and into my Jeep. He loves, he loves to go for rides in the Jeep. Sure. So. Like all dogs, right? Yeah. So especially, you know, throughout those months where he couldn't walk on his own that's what we would do i'd load him up in there and we'd just go for a drive so well um i will say uh my mother passed away several years ago but and my father before her and there is something special about dogs in the human race i don't know what it is and my mother was as strong a woman as i ever knew a wonderful wonderful woman miss her every day but she had two Karen Terriers that lived with her for five or six years after my, my father passed. And they were a tremendous, tremendous, uh, not only help to her, but they just filled that void. Uh, you know, of course, losing my father, they'd been married for over 40 years. Yeah. So there's something really special about dogs. It's, it's a, that's a very, very cool story. Well, so, yeah. so, so how did Trey, how did Trey help you get ready to become a ninja? Um, yeah. So, Around the time I met Trey, I mean, obviously I was going through a, a hard time and coping with, you know, being divorced and sure. what am I going to do now with my life? And I didn't really have any sort of direction. I felt like um, I had my mom got me interested in American Ninja Warrior. She introduced me to this show. She said, yeah, you know, looks like something you might like. Wow. I, I think she meant just to watch it, but I watched one episode and I was like, man, that looks fun. So I Googled, you know, nearby gyms and I found one in Palmetto called Live Training Center. So I I looked up their schedule and I went to an open gym and met a couple guys there. Like one guy who's now one of my best friends, Cameron Drake, he had been on the show before. And I was like, kind of, uh, I was like, whoa, there's like a 
pro ninja in here, like a celebrity in here. I was a little like nervous <laughs> around him at first, which is funny now because he's like my best friend. But, um, you know, he showed me around a little bit. He showed me how to do some of the obstacles. And I remember driving home that day. I was in the gym for two hours, that open gym. My hands were shredded, you know, from swinging on bars. I'll bet. And, I'll bet. Oh, I mean, building I up just, the calluses takes a while. I just, I just want to say, just for our listeners, so doing this course, it is an obstacle course. So you are swinging on things, you are right. jumping on things, and it's extremely challenging. So I'm sorry, yeah. take it from there. Yeah, it, uh, American Ninja Warrior, if you don't know, is basically like parkour slash yep. gymnastics right and the the uh obstacles are endless and they continue to get harder and harder every year as people get more creative and you know people build the obstacles they see on the show so they have to continually make them harder for the ninjas so you never know what you're gonna see and there's no way to really train for the obstacles other than to just have experience on every sort of thing you can think of running across you know, wobbly things, um, running up and down things, jumping from high areas, swinging on all sorts of different stuff. Rock climbing yep. became a big part of my training. Well, so, um, so, so, so tell me, I mean, is this like a, because you, you've been to the big, big lease, you've been, to, you've been to the big lease a couple of times, but tell mm -hmm. us about, you know, is there a league? I mean, are these gyms across the country where that you can go to, are there coaches, <laughs> are there, there is. So um, American Ninja Warrior, the TV show, is in its 14th season. Yep. So in the beginning, it was there were no gyms or anything like that. It was pretty much just parkour guys and rock climbers that would go out there and, and try it. Now there are gyms all across the country. I mean, elaborate ninja gyms. That's all they do. They're, you, know, you can train with the guys you see on the show. Um, the gym that I train at is called Jungle Gym. It's in St. Pete, St. Pinellas Park. It's amazing. I mean, it's just a big playground, really, for kids and adults, people of all ages. Um, there are leagues. So there's a, a World Ninja League, formerly known as National Ninja League. Okay. Um, there are a couple different leagues, like uh, startup leagues and stuff like that. But, you know, there's world, there are people all over the world that come to compete in these competitions. So it's kind of an underground sport, I feel like, right now. Um, right. American Ninja Warrior is you know, kind of a reality TV show uh, version of it, but it, they're definitely, these leagues are extremely competitive. And, and like, in my opinion, they're some of the most impressive athletes in the world doing this sport. Um, oh, like yeah. I said, it's a combination of, you know, parkour, gymnastics, rock climbing. It's a, it's a really cool sport to be in. And the, the community, the ninja community is like a family. I mean, everybody supports one another, sure. even though you're, you're competing against each other. But everybody supports each other. And, you know, like if I can give you a tip to help you out because I just ran the course and be like, hey, that that bar spins or that thing's a little slippery or, you know, whatever. People are always willing to do that. So it's a really cool community to be a part of. It seems to me, I mean, a CrossFit really got going about 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And what I thought was so cool about that, and I th think about this type of sport too, is it provides a different outlet for folks that, are just not going to play football, baseball, basketball, soccer. Sure. I mean, it's something that is specific to really scratches your itch. And it obviously uh, scratched yours because you've, yeah. you've really done quite well to it. So, so how, how many years have you had to train before you went 
on TV? I mean, how does it, how do you actually get to that point? You have to, is it points? Is it champion? Is it, is it competitions that you win? How does that tell us what that um, looks like? Yeah. So, um, the American Ninja Warrior, the TV show that you see on NBC, anybody can apply for it actually. So you can, you can go type in American Ninja Warrior casting and submit an application. Along with that, you give them a two to three minute submission video, which is where you demonstrate your skills, your personality, um, things like that. So, and then they, they get an estimated like hundred thousand applicants a year and they go through them all and then they handpick four to 500 people is it they don't always pick the best ninjas sometimes they choose you know people that have a big social media following or you know they try to get a variety of different people on there but um so i i've been training for five years and okay this season 14 was the first time that I was able to compete on American Ninja Warrior. I applied five times. Very cool. Um, the first time I applied, I didn't get picked. Second time, I didn't get picked. 2020, I did get selected, but two weeks before I was supposed to compete, the pandemic started. And, oh. and then last that- year, I applied. I didn't get picked. Um, so my story has really been become don't ever give up, you know, like for five years, I trained for an opportunity that was never guaranteed. And I finally got picked and, you know, it's been great since then. So does this has really been therapy for you? I mean, just to move on from life of a bad situation, you got Trey, you got your dog and now, you know, you you go out and you just killed on the, uh, on the course there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was in a pretty dark place. I feel like when I, when sure. I got Trey, when I started training for American Ninja Warrior and um, the combination of the two, I mean, Trey gave me a purpose, but American Ninja Warrior was definitely my outlet. You know, like it was my escape from reality for two hours that I was in the gym. I was just not thinking about anything else. And uh, that was the thing that I remember from the first visit to the gym was getting in the car and being like, man, I didn't think about what's going on in my personal life for one second while I was there. And I said, I have to come back. And I went back Tuesday and Thursday every week for the next like two years. Um, just because it was, it was therapy. It was, it's a unique way to work out. I've always liked going to the gym, but this was just such a unique Avenue. Sure. Because you can, you can concretely see your progress, you know, like three days ago I could do six pull-ups and now I'm doing eight pull-ups and a year from now I can do a hundred pull-ups It's really oh, a concrete way of seeing your progress. So I love that about it. So, so the one thing that has then the few times I've seen uh, American Ninja Warrior, the thing that impressed me was you have to have incredible grip Yeah, because you are hanging you on hang all these bars thing. and rings and jumping from ring to bar and bar to ring. Yeah, is that is that a concentration that you athletes have to really focus on your grip? A hundred percent. You know, like my training evolved, and so dead hangs are something that we do. That's where you just literally hang from a bar with your arms straight down. Uh, my personal best is eleven minutes hanging from a bar without <laughs> dropping. <laughs> Um, some guys can double that. I mean, these guys are incredible athletes, um, pull-ups. I mean, we do 
one thing I like to do, I do it on a pretty regular basis is set a timer for 10 minutes and do as many pull-ups as I can. Oh, um, man. My record is 126 in 10 minutes. So, you know, we, cause the courses are fast and it's a lot of explosive moves. So you want to have endurance, but you also need to have that explosive power. So it's a lot, it's, it's just, when I first started, I was humbled really fast because I thought I was a good athlete until I realized I couldn't hang from a bar for more than five seconds. <laughs> so. it's, it's it's funny. I mean, you and I were going back in email and I had just changed up my workout routine and whatnot because I use a lot of machines. I mean, you know, I'm in my 60s now, so I'm watching the joints and everything. Oh, yeah. I'll try a sandbag workout, you know, 40-pound sandbag. I'm doing different – Man, I was so sore. You know, oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, it just got me bad. You know, I, I thought I was strong, but man, that just yeah. kicked my my behind. So <laughs> that's that's really cool. Well, that that's that, that is really fascinating. So is what about nutrition? Is your because you know, typically like bodybuilding or I don't know, maybe even CrossFit or whatnot, when you have to build some muscle because you because you need muscle to lift the weights. Yeah. Is your nutrition kind of specialized in for this sport? Um yeah, I mean, I I feel like it's a for me, it's a high carb nutrient sure. because of all the energy you're exerting. Um, so I try to eat, I eat a lot of like chicken and rice and um, just high carb stuff to keep my energy going. Cause I work full time as well. So um, to work all day and then be able to train for two or three hours, you know, five, six days a week is kind of what I do. So i I eat a lot of food, but yeah, I, I do eat really, really healthy and I've always kind of done that the last several years, but definitely for this sport, it's, you know, you want to be lean, um, because if you're carrying any extra weight and you're hanging for so long, it's, you feel that. So you want to be as lean as possible. It's all about your strength to weight ratio. So it's like, it's funny. It's, it's, it's like, it's funny. It's like the airlines figured out that, you know, if they fill up their airplanes with all that fuel, they have to fly and carry all that fuel. So apparently right. I, I maybe shouldn't be <laughs> saying this, but they don't have full airplanes when they go up now, but exactly. fuel, but well, that, so, so bring us up kind of, kind of today. So you just finished competing on season 14 of the, um, of the American Ninja Warrior. Yep. What can you tell us about? First off, where was the location? So the competition is still being aired on TV. So um, the first qualifying round was in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, that was filmed back in March. <clears throat> and then the second round, the semifinals round, was in Los Angeles. That hasn't been aired on TV yet. Um, and then the national finals is in Las Vegas. So um, how that competition works, there are 400 ninjas this season. Uh they split those 400 ninjas into five qualifying regions. So there's five regions of 80 ninjas in each region. Everybody runs the qualifying course. The top 30 from each region move on to the next round. How they determine that is who went the furthest, the fastest. So if you clear the course and you hit a buzzer, you're moving on. Cool. And if less than 30 people in your region hit a buzzer, then whoever you know, they take the next however many people to get to the top 30, whoever went the furthest, the fastest. So I can say that I did make it through the qualifying round to All make right. it in the semifinals in Los Angeles. Um, so that's cool. You know, this is my first season. So I was pretty proud of myself for that. Um, and what, can't, semi- what can't you say? What can't you say? Because they haven't aired it yet. So you have to, you have to maintain some, some secrecy here, right? You don't want to yeah, be a so spoiler. I can't uh, reveal any results from semifinals okay. or further than that. Um, 
That's understandable. Or reveal any obstacles that we saw. They always debut brand new obstacles every season. So when you, if you watch the show and you see these ninjas running the course, they've never, they don't give you a practice run. Like that is your only up attempt at those obstacles. Oh, really? And like for me, the qualifying round, four of the six obstacles were brand new, never before seen obstacles. So you don't get to see the course until the day you get there. And they go through the rules and then they start running ninjas. So really your only opportunity to see anybody do it is the runners ahead of you, If you, unless you're first. Um, the run order is random. So, you know, whatever, wherever you are in the run order, you got to just kind of come up with a plan of how you're going to attack the obstacles based on your experience of, you know, I always try to relate it to similar obstacles that I've done or seen. But yeah, you don't get to practice the course beforehand and wow. you don't even get to see it or know what it's going to be until the day that the competition starts. Well, so, so where does where does the crowd come from? Because you have a lot of folks in the stands are really, really jazzed up. There's a lot of uh, hoopla and whatnot. All yep. the while, that, of course, the cameras are rolling. But so, so tell us about the crowd. Where do they come from? Um, the crowd is, is uh, whoever, you know, just like any sporting event, um, there are fans that come and uh, a lot of like family and friends of the ninjas. So, you know, when you get selected, you're allowed to have a certain amount of people come with you to be on your sideline to support you. Uh, for me, my family, my parents were there, my brother, my grandma, Very Trey cool. was there, which was really cool. I got to bring Trey right on stage with me and everything. Um, so that was important to me to have Trey there. So they made they made that happen, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, the the crowd is just made up of fans and they bring the energy for sure. It was a lot of fun for me to just compete in front of a big crowd like that. Um, we were at the Alamo dome in San Antonio. So to be in a big arena with a, a large crowd, it was a lot of fun. It's huge. I've been to San Antonio several times. I want to, so is this a, a, I guess, do you get paid? Can, are, are, I mean, can you make a career out of this? I mean, what, what, uh, how do you, how do you leverage this going forward? If you're really good, you can make some money doing it. Uh, the grand prize for winning American Ninja Warrior, if you clear all six stages, is a million dollars. So um, if I'm nobody training. clears... yeah, I'm training. <laughs> if nobody <laughs> clears the final stage, then whoever went the furthest gets $100,000. Um, personally, for me, I, it was just kind of a way to challenge myself, you know, physically and give me, you know a form of competition. I always growing up, loved playing sports. I played basketball, football, ran track, ran cross country. So I like the competition of it. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, we do compete in these leagues and they have some payouts. It's not much, you know, I don't think you could make sure. a living really, but definitely, um, moving forward, I, I look into like maybe getting into coaching. Um, I've dabbled in coaching with kids a little bit or starting a program, you know, using my occupational therapy skills to introduce uh, children with special needs. I, I like to work with the kids who are really hyperactive because I feel like they're the ones that could benefit from a sport like ninja. Um, swinging, climbing, jumping, all that stuff is great sensory integration for, you know, ADHD kids or kids with autism or any sort of sensory processing disorder. Cool. So, I've, I've dabbled with it a little bit, uh, before the pandemic started and I, I will likely get back to it, um, here in the near future of working with kids again, you know, kind of as a way, a form of therapy really like it was for me. 
To me, that to me that would seem like a a natural transition because I mean, way back you know when my children were younger, I would take them to a place called Leaps and Bounds in uh, Cincinnati, and then of course McDonald's got behind it and put all the tubes and yep. things you could crawl and whatnot. Of course, you know then there's always a always the legal aspect. They they got to design it so that they don't get into trouble. But I mean, if you can use that in a therapeutic way, that's very cool. I, I think that's very very cool. Yeah, I mean when I was doing that um in 2020 it, i was having some good feedback from the the kids and the parents yeah. that i was working with so i i think i could see myself getting back into that here um in the near future and also uh one thing that trey and i have been able to do trey is a therapy dog so i brought him to support groups amputee support groups um we've been to rehab hospitals for him to meet with the patients. We've also gone to summer camps for children with amputations and just seeing the interaction between him and these kids, I mean, is incredible. And, um, that'd be a tearjerker. That'd be a tearjerker. Even we actually set up an obstacle course for these kids too. And to see them, I mean, they crushed it. It was amazing. I was standing there in awe of these kids, you know, that are limb different run through my obstacle course and, just watching how they adapt, just like Trey had to do. It was amazing. So helping kids like that is cool. something that I would love to do. Well, if if they come out with the Geriatric Ninja Warrior League, I will join that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you also, you're involved with the Never Say Never Foundation. Tell us about that before we wind up. Yeah, so the Never Say Never Foundation is an organization that I was put in touch with through social media, actually. And that was the the summer camp that they invited us to. It's called Pirate Camp. Um, they invite kids and their families from all over the country to Clearwater, Florida, where they do it. I think it's a four or five day camp, all expenses paid. They go to the aquarium. They go to baseball games. They have arts and crafts. They go swimming. Um, and they had us come and, and build an obstacle course for them. And also they got to meet Trey. Uh, one thing that Trey and I did when I found out I was going to be on American Ninja Warrior this year is we started a fundraiser to raise money for these kids to receive uh, custom running blade prosthetics for lower body amputees. So when I was at the camp last year, they gave away a lot of these running blades to these kids. They surprised them oh, with man. them. Um, the running blades are made for athletics because a, a, a normal prosthesis is not really meant to be running and jumping on. So the running blades are important so that these kids can have an active lifestyle. And I just felt like this was a perfect way for me to give back to them. Absolutely. And, um, we raised over $6,000 in two months, which is enough to cover four blades for these kids. Cool. So my the next episode that uh, Trey and I will be on will air at the end of July. And I'm hoping to start another fundraiser to raise some more money for these kids so that um, this upcoming fall, we can present them with the blades because that was one of the coolest things that I've ever seen in my life. So to be a part of it is really special. Uh, I think that's very special. And you know, Kyle, I just want to commend you by how you've bounced back. I mean, everybody gets ticked and kicked in the teeth, you know, in life. And some people, you know, they sit down and never get, get back up, but you've done a magnificent job. And so I just want to tell our listeners, uh, where, where else can they find out more about you? If you want to uh, follow Trey and I, you know, our journey or to find out, you know, about the fundraiser and things, um, my Instagram is mccrite.kyle. Uh, it's my last name followed by my first name. And Trey has an Instagram. 
his name is tripod.tray, T-R-E. <laughs> and um, we have a little link tree. You can click on the link and you can see all the articles that we've ever been featured That's in. Cool. We've been featured on a lot of social media sites um, and our fundraiser when it begins. Um, I, we're selling t-shirts and I donate a lot of the money from t-shirt sales to the uh, Never Say Never Foundation as well. So you can check it out, um, see some of my ninja training videos and some of the early videos of when I did get Trey. There's a lot of videos of him in there and kind of the therapy that we did together. So if well, you want to follow cool. along, Instagram's a good spot. Well, that's very cool. Um, I've been on your Instagram, your Facebook pages. They're very well developed. There's a lot of material there. And of course, links to some of the other social uh, or some of the other media uh, outlets that you've been involved with. So listen, I want to tell you, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And I'll tell you what, I'm on my edge of my seat to find out how far you go into the uh, American Ninja Warrior. You definitely want to watch there. the next one. It's a good one. Okay. That's very cool. <laughs> listen, everybody, thank you for tuning in. And uh, Kyle, all the best to you. I appreciate it, Bob. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect. Connect.